Broadcasting from the blueberry capital of the world, WNJH HD1 Hamilton. The views and opinions expressed on this show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers who are entirely responsible for all show content and do not reflect the opinions of WNJHradio.com. This program is not intended to diagnose any condition or promote any lifestyle. And now, WNJHradio.com presents The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel Church in Hamilton. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a great opportunity for us to be able to share a few words, words of encouragement, some prayer, but also for you who at home to call in or you can send in a text. I'm going to give you both the phone numbers. The first phone number is area code 609 593-9654 and that's the phone number 609-593-9654 you can text at 856-718-9928 again 856-718-9928 if however i have two guests here with me joseph montalbano and dr ken ervis joseph montalbano is not afraid of people so he stands here and looks the camera right in the face dr ken ervis apparently is shy so he hides behind all kinds of things here he is peeking his head out. Actually, I'm out by the wall. We're going to call him Punxsutawney Doc because yes. he's... Punxsutawney... How many days uh, for We're not fall. quite sure whether it's, he's going to come be in real here. cold winter. Real cold winter. <laughs> yeah. so no, real cold winter. Real cold. Move your mic a little bit, bit Doc, so you can actually be seen by these people. You know what I mean? Usually it's Doc. I'm out of the... Come no, on. No. You spent... You spent all those that money on Botox. Let everybody see. Oh. Botox. Look at that. <laughs> no, not really. Face but. lift. Look at that. Uh, uh, no, I'm I, I, Botox would be like. I'm no. kidding. Can duct, you fix duct tape? What is it? Huh? Duct tape. <laughs> the back of the head. No, everything is good. We want you to call in. And first thing we're going to do is we're going to begin with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your goodness, your blessing, and your mercy. Thank you for being the God who cares, a God who provides, and a God who is a nurturer. So, uh, Lord, this evening, we want to glorify your son, Jesus Christ. We want to lift his name in every word that is said. We want people to be encouraged and strengthened and maybe even emboldened to go and proclaim him until he returns. So, Lord God, have mercy on us. Thank you for the great blessing. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. 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 So, gentlemen, again, thank you for joining me here. We have our director. I forget what we're supposed to call him. It slips my Uncle mind. Uncle Tony, right? So we'll just call him Slippery. 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 Okay. Slippery. Slippery. I'm slippery this week. Okay. We're going to begin with some encouragement just before we uh, ask everybody to silence your cell phones. Yes, Dad. Thank you very much. You would think, you know, here we are in 2021. and Not far from 22. Not far from 22. And cell phones, you would think that we would have a handle on this technology. <laughs> you know, unless maybe you were a flip phone guy, we all know that cell phones have to have like the mute switch or the silent button or off, or off, whatever it is, bucket of water, whatever is your, whatever you need. Self-destruct. Yeah, self-destruct would be good. You would think that there would be, you know, something that the water needs the rice. But <laughs> here we are, and we still need to be I reminded. Oh yeah, turn your phone to silent. Well, God is good. The technology we, we tend to take for granted. I want to share a few words of encouragement. Let me uh, take a moment. Joe, Yo. you've been telling me that this time of year is a good time of year and a good opportunity for us to be able to share Jesus Christ with people. Why is that, Joe? Wow, what a beautiful time of year. Anyway, for the blueberry farmer anyway. So we're done picking blueberries. 
it's a great time of year. It's the temperature gets kind of cooler as we see, and you're not really crazy about being hot and and sweaty. And uh, the colors start coming out. And you just look around and just say, boy, you can see all over how God just blessed us with the beautiful, beautiful surroundings near us. And uh, you just go out and feel. I feel more relaxed this time of year. As a farmer, you know the spring is tough, and uh, then it gets tougher in the blueberry season. And then come August, we get kind kind of calm down. And then we get to uh, have a nice fall, a nice autumn, and get that's all set up for Christmas. Now everybody loves Christmas. Everybody loves that time of year. Everybody says, "Oh, Christmas time! I gotta, I gotta get the raviolis. I gotta make the lasagna. I gotta get the ra- the cannolis. I gotta do all this stuff." And we know what the real season reason for the season, of course, is Jesus. But you can't deny the fact that all have that like, you know, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. And one thing we should line up about why we're thankful. I know you're going to talk about some stuff. That probably will preclude, I'm yes, precluding that, right? So, yeah. but anyway, it's lining up, I think, as Hallmark, it's, we're not advertising for Hallmark, but there's a channel that starts this weekend. It's line up for Christmas. So, you know what? It's just a, you know, just a line up for that, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, it's a good time of year. It gives opportunity for us. Take full advantage of those opportunities. Yes. Talking about that, remember last week I asked you how to build that table. So I'm right. at Home Depot. What's today? Tuesday? Sunday. Home Depot has all the Christmas. So we went yep. right past Halloween, Thanksgiving. We went right, right into right Christmas. Christmas. Right you can go Christmas. right past Halloween. Yeah, you well, can. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm just saying as seasons, we went right by and we went right to the moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it is what it is. There are, there are two things that strike me about this holiday season. I know I'm going to talk about encouragement, but one of the things that encourages me about this holiday season is the Hallmark movies. Again, not a not a... This is not to to promote or an advertisement for them, but it's encouraging. This time of year, we start to see the films that are encouraging. You'll start to see White Christmas. Well, they have Hallmark is is a. I know you're. I know you're. One of your sisters does not. <laughs> really appreciate those movies. What but, she, she, what she says is true. I what I like, and I I don't know about you guys. I like a movie that has a nice ending. Even though I can sit yep, there at the too. beginning, in the first five minutes, you know, okay, this that one's marrying that one, that one's coming back to that. <laughs> you hope so. I mean, you if everything so. worked out the way I wanted to work out, that's the way it would right. work so out. Right. So you you um you're already anticipating it's going to end nice. I, I don't like watching the other stuff. Right. And now as we get into the Christmas time. And we start seeing our Christmas movies, like you're going to say, White Christmas, all the Hallmark Christmas. There's one thing that they're always pushing is believing. Believing is seeing. Believing in what? And we know the Christmas movies on Hallmark, or all that, is always trying to take, they want you to believe in something. A lot of times it's, depending on the movie, different than who Jesus is. They, mm-hmm. they used to, I don't know if they are recently, but they used to take us always to a church. So it was always a Christmas choir at, you know, Christmas Eve, it was always the Christmas play or the Christmas bake off or the oh, it's Christmas. It's a wonderful something. life. I mean, George Bailey. Right. You know, he was praying the Lord mm-hmm. God. You know, it, it me those used are to the be old movies. Those it, are the classics. They tried to be real careful and move away from promoting one particular faith over another, but they always wanted to promote the faith of the holiday. I mean, Christmas is about the birth of the Christ child. Right. So if you want to have a Christmas movie, and you don't talk about the birth of the Christ child. Don't call it a Christmas movie. Call it a something else. A holiday movie. Call it a holiday movie. And there are enough of those holiday movies out there, too, where, you know, a girl will meet a guy in a bar, and then they'll fall in love, and one of them will move to the other city, and they'll 
remarkably live happily ever after. I get that. And those are feel-good movies. Usually not a bar like a department store. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's, I forgot. That's, that's that. Store, that's right. Right. Or, <laughs> or restaurant. restaurant. Or the uh, coffee dear. shop. It's been 10 months <laughs> yeah, since yeah, I watched yeah, a Hallmark yeah. movie. Now I'm going to have to go back. and No, I'm, I'm not going there. <laughs> not going there. I'm not going to watch missed, the Hallmark. You missed our Christmas in July celebration. There you go. I See, I have one relative <laughs> who says to me this, and maybe maybe you can check this theory out. Uh, she happens to believe that there really is only one Hallmark movie. <laughs> there may be multiple, that is. multiple variations on that Hallmark movie. It might be a woman who's in a bad marriage that goes home to the country farm. You usually see that too much, if I can remember. And then she meets the wonderful veterinarian who it's saves the a breakup of some kind yeah or or Vet, going back to meet somebody from high school restaurant or something here, right a hobby <laughs> yeah. shop maker there's always <laughs> i've been watching the homo channel too much no there's my always wife this scenario i i walk past and say oh, what and they guy? have to go home because mom or dad the is country sick. store is failing Ooh, the, the country right. store one the other failing. night That's was right. about pumpkin farm how do we get that pumpkin farm back to back to stuff but it, again it's it's good wholesome stuff oh, big that we got away from and, and, and when you look back to our parents you're going somewhere with that but real yeah. quick we look back to our parents generation and why they were called the best generation because basically is what the movies they watched and the music they listened to was always about the morals yes. that fit that fit best mm -hmm. and it was God all morals go back to God okay I don't care if you believe in who Jesus is or not morals are all, all these great books, they all go back to the Bible, right? Yes, and, when, and it's interesting you said that because every generation, when they want to feel better about themselves, they have to go back to faith. They get sometimes really close to the true mm. answer, which is Jesus Christ, but they all talk about faith. They just get to that emotional, okay, I feel good enough to get through this, mm. and they don't get all the way to the core to find Jesus Christ to be the true answer for everything that is wrong in their life to be able to fix the bigger problem, not just save the farm or the pumpkin patch, not just even restore, uh, you know, Mary and Johnny's faith in love or the homecoming soldier who's dealing with whatever uh, terrible difficulties and challenges that they're facing. But they say you have to have faith. And they don't take it quite far enough, I believe, because they're restricted to do that. We're not restricted. We mm -hmm. get to tell you the truth. And the truth is this. When you get near this holiday season, Thanksgiving is coming up. Don't believe the rhetoric nor the lie. The pilgrims really were thankful to the Native Americans for helping them through a terrible winter in fact it was a couple of terrible winters they lost mm -hmm. a great many people and the pilgrims when they got here and they founded under under william bradford for those of you who are historians in the pair after him i'm like oh my goodness I'm sorry. <laughs> i can always rely on you joe so william bradford when he established that community there they gave their dedication to the true and living God and thanked him for their provision by providing them natives that helped them to be able to live through it because they all endured the same circumstances. The only thing that separated them was culture and language mm -hmm. and the same harsh difficulties broke down those barriers so that the culture and the language can be worked through. 
in order for there to be life-sustaining fellowship and what a wonderful relationship they had. But the story of that is remarkable with Squanto. Hold hold that. We could do that. You know what? Closer to Thanksgiving. That's a special. That's, That's a good a special, idea. Yes. Doctor. Microphone. And oh, here, so, oh, so Doc was just talking. Yes. The story of Thanksgiving <laughs> is amazing concerning Squanto, concerning all the the things that go around there. John Rolfe and so forth is a interesting character. We want to make sure that we have our story straight because people foul up Pocahontas and the Pilgrims. <laughs> yeah. And we need to set the record straight. Yeah. But the thing that we can say uh, prior to this is. Uh, when they originally got, um, when the Mayfair originally landed, they went away from biblical principles, and they had a terrible time. They were going the way of Jamestown. And no, wait, wait, wait. You said when the Mayflower landed. That's yeah. not true. The generation after, the people of the Mayflower uh-huh. did not move away from the biblical principles. Okay. No, when they initially started, right, the they people divided of the Mayflower, it up and said, "Everybody work, and we throw it into the into a we'll, single pot." We'll look at this in a okay. We'll take but, that. Suffice it to say, when you start to read the uh, um, William Bradford's biography, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I love to read. I, I read a lot of books. Um, when you read the the biographies of the Pilgrims, you you get a very clear picture of what really happened, and they truly fixed on. God, the provider, to carry them through. There was no, uh, nobody else, no self-reliance, no reliance upon, and even with the ability to gain the language barrier broken because of the result of Benjamin Squanto, what you find is that God had blessed them beyond what they could have imagined. So make no mistake, they started because they had a belief in God. They they expected and projected their belief in God, and they founded their first community on godly principles. And we have that to look forward to. You know, when we take those same steps of faithful obedience, even when difficult times come, we can place our faith and trust in the true and living God because he will never let us down. He'll carry us through. Even though many of them passed away, they knew in faith they'll see him again. Uh, that's the hope of glory, which is one of the things that, you know, the Hallmark movies are nice because they carry you so far, but they spur conversation. The conversation then says, I wonder what they were thinking that night. They were thinking that the Christ child came not just to make your marriage better. The Christ child didn't come just to make your circumstances better, not just to make the farm now able to produce enough pumpkins to work or your your favorite country song is now finally going to go viral and now all of a sudden that's going to be the way that you're going to be able to get your mom's medical bills paid or whatever it is that the holiday but it is jesus christ came to seek and to save the lost and that gives us hope even in the midst of terrible circumstances to be able to trust him a confident hope and a blessed redeemer brings peace on earth goodwill toward men and we now know that we're not in this alone that his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, Doc? God with us. God with us. God is not against us. God is with us. God is for us. That's our encouragement for this week. So when you talk about your favorite Christmas movie, your favorite holiday movie, uh, I, it's gonna, I, 
I did this last year. I asked, what's your favorite holiday movie, your favorite Christmas movie? And we got everything from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to Die Hard. So, <laughs> that's right. Die Hard. Die Hard has become a favorite Christmas movie but of some it, people. What did it take place during Christmas? Die yeah. Hard? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, it did. Oh, yeah, so it, it was Christmas a Christmas movie. party. Yeah, the very first one. The very so, first. First. Okay. So yes, people get creative when it comes to that. Keep that in the forefront of your minds because we're going to start to talk about those things. But we're not going to skip Thanksgiving. We are going to deliberately skip Halloween, however. And we're going to get into Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is a beautiful holiday where people gather to give thanks to the Lord God for his provision. So, no, it is not a group of people that got together to thank the Indians. No, it is not a group of people that got together to persecute or massacre the Indians. It was a time where Indians and pilgrims got together and celebrated the fact that God provided them life even after a terrible, terrible winter. So, that's our preaching encouragement for the week, mm-hmm. our topic for the week. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of discussion, at least in the, well, we'll call it the the churchiana world, not necessarily the Christian world, but in the church world, end times has become a big topic. Are we in the end times? People have asked some really big questions. One of them is, is the V that we, I can't use the word or else. You know, play yeah, that they ban us. So, <laughs> is the the V the mark of the beast? And of course, we've addressed that months ago. The clear answer is no. It is not the mark of the beast. Will the mark of the beast be associated with that uh, during the tribulation time? It might. Who knows? Nope. Nobody knows. Is that the, the That's light thing? Is that see? There's a guy. You, gotta, you see the camera? You see the the. Facebook, yeah, iPad over there. Uh-huh. They only saw one hand, so you kind of oh, like, I was kind of like that. So, yeah, so you got to get yourself in the camera so you can I, I see both. My, I gotta, you I can, be you won't. Life. It's a matter of the will. It's a matter. Uh, no, it's a matter of <laughs> the I will, I, screen. I will move his mic by next. Will week. you use both hands to demonstrate? No, doesn't work. Go the opposite I mean, way could you back. imagine? Yeah, doesn't work. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. It there, can here. you get both hands in there? Yeah. I don't know. Go like this. <laughs> See, yeah, I only got one wing. <sighs> Turn off the lights. We'll do some shadow puppets. <laughs> in any event. But anyway. So, is this going to be the mark of the beast? It can be associated with the mark of the beast, but the mark of the beast is going to clearly be your identification, not yours, I hope, a person's clear identification <clears throat> with the Antichrist. The other day, you, yeah. asked, you said... At church, you said every generation has this question. So speak to that point. Every generation talks about the end times. Is, are we, we're in that last generation or whatever. You said it best the other yes. day. Yes, and I believe that's a couple of reasons. One is that God wants us to have a sense of imminence. He said he is coming back soon. Paul's writing to church at Thessalonica, and he tells them, you don't have to be afraid because people in your, in your fellowship have already passed away. Because in their mind, they had passed away and they missed the rapture. Paul said, you don't have to worry about that. The dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's going to be a great opportunity for us to have a reunion in heaven. He said, do not be afraid of that. He since goes on to say, therefore, as a result of all that information, comfort one another with these words. 
So that's our privilege, to comfort one another with these words. But that was first century Paul. Now here we are 2,000 years later, and people are saying, but look, don't you know what's going on in the Middle East? And you can't, you can't, again, do not take offense nor send me an emails. This is an idiom. You cannot swing a dead cat without, I probably will have to change that phrase, <laughs> without finding somebody who has... A topic that says, oh, no, we're in the end days. Get ready. The reality is we have always been this close to eternity. We should always be ready. We should always be prepared. And if you have been a believer for any length of time, and I can tell you these two men right here on my right and on my left, these two men always have to be prepared in season and out of season. No matter what happens, no matter what circumstances, they have to be prepared to preach pray, or pass away. If they are called upon to say, what's going on? Can you give me some clarity in this? They have a responsibility to open the Word of God and present words of comfort and strength to the people that are they're talking to. They always have to be prepared to pray, mm-hmm. know what's going on, and pray effectively, and go boldly to the throne of grace where they might find mercy. And they all have to be prepared at a moment's notice to be able to pass away, to give a good testimony in their life and give a good testimony with their death. That's a big deal to ask of people. Every generation should have men and women of that caliber to be able to stand in that. Now, Paul said, there's no reason why the Lord can't come back any moment. We look around now and people pick apart Daniel's chapter, Daniel chapters 7 through 9. They hint at chapter 11. And then they go to uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, and then they go to Matthew 24 and 25. And they look at the three sections of Scripture, and they say, what is it that they're talking about? We know the nations that they're talking about by name. We know those nations that they're talking about by name exist today. We know everything they say about those nations that are going to surround Israel, are going to be enemies of Israel, are there today, and by the way, every one of them lines up as they're expected in the Word of God. We're told that the nation of Israel will be in their homeland, which until 1948, Mm -hmm. they were not. For almost 2,000 years, they were uh, scattered. God brought them back in 1948, and we're told that this generation will not pass away until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. So we have great expectation throughout life. The problem is that currently there are multiple prophecy conferences, which are not a bad thing. But we need to be careful that we don't have just a steady diet of prophecy conferences. Well, I was going to ask you that question. How much, how much of end times do people need to know? And well, that's a good question, Levi. How much, how much knowledge of the end times? How deep they should they go? Should they find a good prophecy conference to go to, or just go to a good Bible believing church and get Here, get the I, whole gospel? I would say if you if you want to enjoy a good prophecy conference, go and enjoy a prophecy conference. You will get great information there. That's terrific. But a steady diet of a prophecy conference is like having a steady diet of Filet mignon. Oh, you could deal with filet. Ice cream. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Or rollades. But after a while, 
you realize your body is not, it needs more than that. Mm -hmm. You can't just have eschatology or end times. That's what eschatology means, mm -hmm. the study of end times. There are, for a reason and a good reason, there are 10 doctrines of the Bible taught in healthy churches. There may be other doctrines of the Bible that are taught, but there are 10 that most churches agree upon. Who is Jesus? What is salvation? Who is God, the Holy Spirit, and so forth? What's the church called to do? What do the end times look like? Excuse me, angels, what is their study? Things like that. There are Bible. 10. What's that? The Bible, bibliology. The Bible, bibli bibliology. So, so they're okay. if, if someone gets a full, gets filled, and stays filled with knowing Jesus Christ, building relationship with Jesus Christ through fellowship in his word and prayer, and really listens to what you're saying and just has like a working knowledge of prophecy, of end times, eschatology, that's okay. They don't have to dive deep into it, do they? Correct. You need a Correct. working knowledge of it. You, but but the, I would encourage you. If you read the ahead, Bible, 27% to 28%, is prophecy right so just read your bible well not prophecy well not not, not necessarily end times and not necessarily in times right. so as you as you get into it and I've, I've said this before you have to get into a good healthy bible teaching church and if you're a good healthy bible teaching church teaches you the bible they will teach you these doctrinal foundations and if they if you are getting a steady diet of only eschatology, you're going to be one-sided in your conversation. You're going to be lopsided in your ability to give an answer because Peter says we are commanded to give an answer for the hope that is within us. We are commanded to be able to respond to questions. When people say, why do you believe the Bible is true? And you say to them, look, forget that for a minute. But have you seen the fact that Libya has now lost their ability for their autonomy? Have you noticed now that Russia has now agreed to sell more oil to the Middle East? That means that the region called Kush and Put in Ezekiel 38 is now going to be reliant on Russia, which is referred to in Ezekiel 40 as the— uh, and, and nobody is going to find salvation— in that. If somebody asks you questions concerning the end times, God bless you. Be prepared to give an answer. But you need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you, the hope of glory. If anybody had a handle on end times, it was the Apostle Paul, and he said, I don't want to preach anything else than Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen, and coming again. Everything else, I'll teach you, but right on the heels of Jesus Christ. If you, do, if you took a steady diet of, as Doc pointed out, Bibliology, the study of the Bible, and you know every nuance. You have read and memorized the Texas Receptus. Good for you. But if you're not able to share that truth with another believer, then you're not fulfilling the commission that Jesus Christ called you to, which is go and preach the gospel. Yeah, I'm not preaching the gospel. I'm busy studying the origins of the Dead Sea Scrolls. I want to know exactly how many they were, in which caves they were found. In what years. What years. And I'm going to get all that documented. And in fact, I'm, I have my own uh, clay jar, broken shard replica kit. And I'm going to spend the next three years replicating a 
clay jar well, replica. I'm like, let's get real. Yeah. Most people aren't doing that. That's true. So people not. out there or anywhere want to know how much is enough. How much is enough? There's no, there, we know we, it's, it, you, there is, there is a, the bottom line is this enough I'm just, to yeah, be yeah, valued that out. Yeah. Enough to be able to engage in intelligent conversation enough to be able to say when a man comes to you and says, have you seen what's going on in the Middle East? You can say, yes, I have. And they say, have you noticed, for instance, have you noticed that Syria is building up its forces on the, the Golan Heights? Have you noticed that? Yes, I have. What does that mean to you? It means I want to be doubly ready to be able to share the hope with those whom I care about and I love. So I am redoubling my efforts to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Right. Christ. Well, that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to draw out the, 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 the point, the bottom line of knowing you have your relationship right with God. How much does that person have to know to be able to share? Not get into end times really at all, but just to share. How much knowledge do you? I don't know if you want to put a to, level on that yeah. to be able to share with their loved ones at home to, why they believe in Jesus. To Christ. know God, okay, and know Him more, to love Him and love Him more, to fellowship and trust and obey Him more. All prophecy is there to let people who who read and are the people of God. It is there to n let them know that God is in control. When you look at, for instance, on a Monday night, we have a Bible study, and we're going through the book of Daniel. And as we go through the book of Daniel, the goal is not for us to take Daniel 7 to 9 and build a timeline of the end times. The goal is to look at the book of Daniel and say, in light of the fact that we're living in the end times, how do we live? And there's a difference. One is, this is the focus on the end times, and the other is, this is the focus on how we live. Should we be in the end times? Because whether we are in the end times or not, the high probability is that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back soon. I'm surprised he hasn't come back already. So how do we then live in the midst of that? And that's a big deal. How do we, you know, when Daniel was required to, to bow down to the statue, and he said, I can't. I can't displease my God. What do we do? when we're commanded to do things that God says to us we're not permitted to do, and God commands us to do things that the government says we're not permitted to do. What do we do and how do we respond? And the reality is we need to know how to respond. I don't need to necessarily know what's coming ahead. I don't have a crystal ball. I shouldn't look for somebody with a crystal ball. And I think people are looking because they want, they want to be able to, should I really pack my bags or should I not? Uh, here's the, and here's my... Uh, Maybe it's why I get preachy about it, and it's because I lived through it too many times. I remember back in 1973 when the church, and I was a teenager, and the church got really worked up. There were a couple of things going on. We have a question? Well, why don't we go to break, and then— uh, Okay. Because we're at 730, and then we have a, a deep question here. Yes, very deep. Okay, good. Before we go to that, let me turn my mic on. Maybe everybody help me. I'm the youngest out of all of us by six years. So I have never remember anybody talking about any times as much as we are now. Now, it could be because I'm studying the Bible more. I'm going to a Bible teaching church. But what's making more people talk about? It? Because there's so much stuff on YouTube. Could be false information, of course. But 
everything's popping up and times and times because you know when you start typing in google they build a database of what you're looking for and then you next time you go back to your youtube you got 17,000 and time things coming up why are people saying it what was what's the cause of it we we can look at that in a moment i think okay. one of the reasons it's not the primary reason or or the only reason is people are losing hope they're losing confidence in things that they felt sure about like we always knew no matter what this government was going to be here and America was going to be America. Mm -hmm. I don't know that people have that very same confidence today. Okay. We don't know what America is going to look like 10 years or 20 years mm -hmm. from now. And people, when you start to lose confidence in things, you start to look for uh, avenues of escape, okay. villains, reasons. So because people are starting to lose confidence uh, and become afraid, they're starting to yeah. look around. And that's not a bad thing, because if you look around for truth, you're going to find it. So that's one yeah. answer. We're going to go to break. Phone number here, area code 609-593-9654. Text in 856-718-9928. We're going to go to a break. Thanks, guys. Hello, this is Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel, Hamilton. I'd like to invite you to join us in worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. You can also join us for live stream service on YouTube each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Each week is filled with excitement at Calvary Chapel, Hamilton. On Wednesday, we offer an adult Bible study as well as Awana for the kids and youth group for the teens. Monday evenings, we continue our series of deeper exploration of critical topics, currently the Revelation. Our passion as a church is to help others learn how to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Other specialized services and events are listed on our website at www.cchamilton.org. God bless. You came across someone struggling with hunger. How would you recognize them? By their clothes. Their age. The way they speak. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. Now back to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo on WNJHradio.com. Again, thank you very much for your question. We have a, a very, uh, well, it's a deep question. I'm going to read it to you so you, can, so you can have it. I'm having a debate with someone on the subject of bringing children into the world. They feel it's okay to make the decision to not have children for many reasons, whether financial, traveling freedom, they don't feel they would make a good parent, or just the general state of the world they would be bringing that child into. I feel it's our God-given responsibility to have a family unless, as in the case of Paul, you're staying single to devote more time to evangelizing or missions. Thanks. Well, it's an interesting question, and there are 57 different answers that people will give you because, well, probably more than that, because everyone has opinions. So we need to go to the Word of God. And what does the Word of God say? And the Word of God says that we are to recognize the times in which we live. And unless we believe we are in the absolute last days, unless we are convinced that God is coming back imminently, you don't have to worry about the Matthew 25, it's words found in Matthew 25, when Jesus himself says, Woe to those who are pregnant or with young child, because in those days these terrible things are going to happen. That's a problem. For the believer, let me help put your mind at ease. Circumstances are going to be difficult. Circumstances in every generation are difficult. This generation just happens to be facing 
this particular event that's going on in the in the world globally. The events in generations prior to this were different events that are going on globally. Even if it's not a global issue, in every area of the world, there are terrible circumstances. If you lived in a country that today is suffering greatly, and I don't need to, I could give you a laundry list of countries where people are suffering greatly. Would I recommend to you to bring children into the world? I would recommend every couple to pray about what God would want to bless them with. Children are a blessing and a heritage from the Lord. Children are a comfort. Let me give you a couple of encouraging words. One is, your children, until they become accountable to God, they are sealed and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So when they become accountable and they stand before God and are able to say, I know the reason that I chose your son Jesus or that I rejected your son Jesus, until they have that ability to reason, they are, with God says, without reason, therefore they will be saved. So young children, certainly in my view, certainly young uh, adolescents and I can't even think of the word, toddlers. Pre-teen. Probably in my view, and this is only my perspective on it, Mm -hmm. pre-teen. They're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. As they get aware and are able to make choices for the Jewish child, he was told age 13. In a society several generations ago, by the time a child was 10 years old, they had a better education than many high school graduates today. The words that they used, the grammar, the language, the, the amount of the Bible that they had been taught by 10 years old is staggering. There are few people today, when you look at any of the, the primers, and these are not primers from somewhere over there. These are primers from Turnersville. And if you take a primer from a Turnersville elementary school and you read it, they learned more scripture than many people who are adults know today. So that child, perhaps 10 years old, knew about eternity and a decision to be made for Jesus Christ. Were they then accountable? I don't know. God is the God who judges based on that. It's about the heart. Yes, it's about the heart. So um, when we look at that and say, uh, bring child or children into the world because you're going to be a bad parent, Everybody wishes they could parent better. I don't want to say everybody's a bad parent, but everybody is a new parent when you're first a parent. Nobody goes into parenting with parenting experience. That's a parent. That's a parent. <laughs> we, you know, so but basically, basically what the real go ahead. Basically, it comes down if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you believe that the, you pray, you have to wait for God's uh, perfect will and timing. That's where you need to leave it. And pray for God's perfect See, here's the thing. But, and that's hard we, to do. We live in the 21st century where we have guys like the guy on my left who are able to prescribe things for people to stave off pregnancy. So if you go back a few generations, they had only abstinence. Because uh, we used to joke when I was a kid, what do you call a woman on the rhythm method? And the answer is a mom. <laughs> because that's all we had, you know. So, so 
when you're talking about you know the ability now to decide whether you're going to procreate or not we now have those options available for the believer for those people who choose even more drastic and i believe terrible alternatives to keeping a child that's painful and hurtful but when you're making a decision as to whether or not you choose to have a child that's a decision that a husband and wife need to make in prayer i i think the decision will get much easier if they know jesus christ as their lord and savior that they have a confidence in him and they will have much less fear to make those decisions because as questioner asked, uh, it's not right for everyone. There are people who should not be parents. But as he asked, is it our responsibility when we get married to have a family? That was the question. I know it's hard to answer that, but that was part of that question. And he compared it to Paul, what Paul, his life was about. Is it the um, family? Well, the principle applies. We're, we're, we're told, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're told to procreate. Because, look, God created this earth for his good pleasure. He created us to enjoy our relationship with him forever. Does he love children? Yes, he does. Would he want more? Of course he would. Why wouldn't he? But if if that couple we're talking about prays and they believe that, you know what, we believe that the Lord does not want to bring a child for us to bring this child, a child into the world because of the world the way it is. They can go to sleep at night believing that, I mean, that's hard to answer that, but they could feel peace at not bringing a child in if they believe the Lord said no. If they believe the Lord said no, it, it don't, does, it don't overrule the Holy Spirit. Well, in your right, exactly. right. Yeah, and, it does, and the Holy Spirit never says, well, but th- it looks bad, so don't have, no, God is in control. Yeah, have, it didn't catch God by surprise. Right, exactly. Having children in bad but, circumstances, uh, I I can tell you that um, the circumstances that we're living in right now, if it's any indicator, there are more babies. It seems I, I, I'm not I've not seen a poll or taken a head count. Just my observation of people, there are more babies being born now about this time of year than about this time of year last year or about this time of year the year before. A friend of mine texted me from... Go ahead. Uh, yeah, he's my old chairman. Uh, in fact, he just became a grandpa. Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, they actually had an increase down at Atlantic Care of deliveries. I have another friend who what delivers a surprise. down at Shore. So there's an increase there's of deliveries. Deliveries, and they were right. going like crazy. So you start looking around at these circumstances, nobody says, hey, this is a great place to bring in babies, but lots of people are bringing in babies. If you look at the Depression, if you look at World War II, if you look at, I, I mean, just ask yourself. The blackout in New York. How many of our grandparents, uh, well, the blackout in New York. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, blackout. it was the blackout in New York. That? Yeah, but back you, know, you know the blackout in New York. One night, one everybody night. knew that was going to be a, a you know a temporary thing. <laughs> the depression, nobody knew how long that was going to last. Yet, how many of our grandparents yeah, or true. even our parents were born in 1931, 1932, when they were in terrible circumstances? Would you ask any of those parents or grandparents? Would you do it again? Uh, how could they say no? Look at the look at the children that they had to care for. Now I'm going to speak for grandparents 
that are good grandparents that I know. I can't speak for grandparents everywhere. But speaking on behalf of grandparents, we love our grandchildren. We want, I mean, I got two guys in this room are both grandparents. One's recently a grandparent for the first time. He is not saying one's enough. He's thinking, I want a house full. Uh, they're already talking about more. I, I mean, you. Yeah. yeah. You What's as that? a grandparent, how many grandkids do you want? I can never not put a number on it. That's right. <laughs> you, I got four children. They all. That's right. Yeah. Who knows? Where so we're gonna end up. So would it be okay with you if you had a lot of grandkids? It would be fine with me. See that? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Would it be okay with you if one of your kids said, "You know what? I prayed about it, and my spouse and I, we don't believe that it's best for us to have children." Is that okay with you? I would have to be fine with that. I would pray uh, my own prayer about that, but uh, I'd have to be okay with that. If I believe they really really reached out and prayed and really felt that that's what, where the Lord was moving them. There you go. I, I mean, those are the answers that we have, but I would encourage uh, you know the people that have this question, and that's a question that I also get asked quite frequently because people are looking around and— uh, let me just segue into this. The young people that I talk to, and by young people, I mean 30 years old and below, typically. I know that to a 17-year-old, a 30-year-old is old, but when you're my age, a 30-year-old is young. So a 30-year-old and those below, I look at them, and they are they're headed down two paths. One is, we know that we're going to get through this, whatever the, this is of their day and their era. We're going to get through this, and then we're going to be fine. Uh, whatever the job situation is, we're going to be okay. Uh, I'm not quite sure exactly how, but the work situation is going to return to semi-normal. Eventually, we're going to get back to normal. I know gas prices are going to go up because they always go up. There's going to be a level of inflation because we have to pay off the stimulus. I get it. They're smart enough to look down the road. But they're looking down the road with hope. And then there's another group that is looking down the road saying, I can't believe you let it get like this. I can't believe you you have destroyed all of what's going on around, and now you're handing it to us in a terrible mess. What? And they start to blame the, the prior generations and say, it's your fault, and they start to look around. And I say to myself, I, I want you— to be able to look at your current circumstances and say, let me put them in a box and compartmentalize them right now. Then ask this question, did any of this take God by surprise? And the answer is no. God who knows all things and created all things and put us here for this reason, he says this, I want you to know that you can have fullness of joy, assurance of salvation, and abundant life. Fullness of joy. Assurance of salvation and abundant life. Even in terrible circumstances? Yes, even in terrible circumstances. Even when it looks like, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out. I can assure you God will go with you and it will work out for your good and for his glory. His promise is not mine. Mm -hmm. What will that look like? It's going to be different for everyone. But walk in the confident hope. Walk in the recognition you know, that he's got it covered. He's going to carry us through. He's going to be faithful to be able to deliver us. But he's given us these circumstances as an opportunity. How will I shine my light in the middle of these circumstances? How will I uh, encourage others, strengthen others, teach others? I mean, that's what we're called to do is to make disciples. Disciples are students, and we should be students and 
and teach students who are coming up behind us, how do we do that? Well, we live a good life of example. Go ahead, Doc. So everything that is occurring now, one, God knows, and two, the circumstances are here that we may know that the Lord is God. And if you take a look at your circumstances in light in light of that, that you he's here that they may know that I am God. And although Ezekiel says it throughout, that is one of the main themes of the Bible to reestablish his kingdom, to redeem man, and in the in that to know that he is God. People are losing hope because they're losing control or what, and they're losing what they thought they could hold on to as security. And he wants them to let that go. He wants, he wants people to have him as their only security. Right. There's too many people that don't have a clue what you're talking about. That's the problem. There's one problem that their people are, know Jesus Christ, their Savior, and it's about what we let dominate our thoughts. Right. That's why That's... in Isaiah, or, uh, where does it say, meditate on the Word every day, mm-hmm. daily, mm-hmm. okay? Because God knows that we need to dominate our thoughts with not a, the positivity, positivity, the... the um, you oh, go, Joel. Oh, uh, yeah, of the Bible, <laughs> of the Word. We, no, really, whatever <laughs> you let you, your mind dominate, whatever may, dominates your thoughts... That's going to control you. That's going to turn you to the right way. Like I said, I've been on Instagram the last few months with Being Anyone Project. There's so many groups that are inspirational that are not God, godly, and so many that are. People are out there on social media looking. The people that are 38 and don't know Jesus Christ, their Savior, they're finding a lot of stuff in social media that's good and bad. But they have to know they have to turn to a godly thing, to God. They right. don't, a lot of people don't have a clue. They know they're looking for something positive every day in their life. They don't understand that the, to have your head meditate, it should be on God's Word, what gives you that good day, that gives but, you that hope. A lot of people don't know that, and we have to do a better job, I guess, to well, get that out. So getting back to the—well, get to the question. The question, if it were addressed to me, and I, if I were asking the question at 25 years old, I can tell you, because I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ, I have absolute confidence in who he is, and I look at my current world circumstances, more than just what I see around this state and this country, I look at the global circumstances. If I got married today, or if I got married a year ago, would I have children today? My answer unequivocally is yes, I would have children. Yeah. Because I do not look forward with gloom and doom. I don't look forward saying, well, you think this is bad. You wait, because in a year from now, it's going to get worse. I can tell you that some things in this life are going to get worse. Is global warming going to get worse? The climate change is destined to be a reality. God's <laughs> word says so. That's right. I don't need to have, I mean, I understand scientists are valuable, but God's word says so. So I believe it. Does that mean it's going to be a result of global warming or global cooling? It doesn't matter. Is it going to be a meteor strike or is it going to be man-made? I don't know. You know Antarctica had the last six months with the coldest on record in history. Since they've been t- taking records, Antarctica was its coldest ever. So maybe that, that maybe that lone seal <laughs> will get his ice flow I guess reattached. The, yeah, I guess so. It doesn't. Anyway, so the reality <laughs> Does is that, matter? that 
climate change will eventually happen. The Earth's climate is going to radically change because Matthew 25 tells us. When we start to see these things, look up for your redemption draws near. There are going to be an increase in earthquakes. And of course, there's an increase in earthquakes. There's going to be an increase in famine. Of course, there's an increase in famine. Volcanoes and flows going on all Volcanoes. And the big one is going to be pestilence, which is Mm. viruses, diseases, bacteria, and plagues. Are they going to increase and expand? And the reality, how can they not? We're now a global society. If you go back 150 years and you say, oh, no, we have an outbreak of fill-in-the-blank virus, it's going to be more centralized and located on the geographic area where people are traveling. But now people go in and out of every country in the world to every other country in the world every day. So whatever you have is going to be spread. I get it. Does that? Do I need... Uh, you know, a prophetic calendar to tell me that I can just look around at the news and say that makes so, good sense. So, how do we find hope? And all that you just hope drew a beautiful, scripture. beautiful picture of the world. How do we find hope in that? So, I see that this is going to come. However, this is coming and has been coming for years. Eventually, the world will end. But God, this God of mercy, could be a hundred years before any of that happens. He could be two hundred years should He decide to tarry. Is he going to be six months? It could be six minutes. It could be six years. It could be 50 years. I don't know. We're required to do two things. One is to tarry, which means to be busy about your current state of affairs, and to occupy, which means not only to be busy about your current state of affairs, but to move forward in everything that God has called you to. We're commanded to occupy until he comes back. We're not commanded to go hunker down and be afraid. So I'm going to live my life looking forward to his soon return. What does that include? includes the joyous things in my life, and the joyous things in life for children and grandchildren. I look forward to those opportunities. So I'm not looking forward with the, the potential doom and gloom. And I don't want to look back 20 years from now. If I were 25 years old today, I don't want to look back 10 years, 15 years, and say, you know, things aren't so bad. I wish we would have really had kids. Nor do I want to look back and say, man, things are really terrible. Our kids are starving to death. I wish I would not have had children. So I need to be cautiously optimistic and carefully, prayerfully making decisions based on what I believe is best. And if I have confident hope, I'll have that confident hope. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. You may have a child that may not be as healthy as you would have hoped even from the early ages. Do you not have kids even though that potential is there there's risk in every pregnancy there's risk in every child there's risk in every generation uh i get it pray about it and pray if that's a risk that you and your spouse want to undertake when we go when we go back to this um doom and gloom prophecy if somebody wants to study end times and look around to see if these are the end times i encourage them to do that because it's it's a biblical uh it it is a doctrine to be taught in the word of god so we are to know the seasons in which we live. So we would we would not be doing our due diligence as students if we did not study to know what the Scripture has to say about end times. So go get them. But once you've got it under your under your belt, unless God has called you to that, you know, drumbeat, make sure you have the other nine doctrines settled. Also, if you don't know the father heart of God, but you know 
the six signs of how to locate and identify the Antichrist, you're missing out. Because I don't want to just be able to identify the Antichrist. I want to be able to know and love Christ. I want to know him best. The Antichrist is anything that that is outside of Christ. So I need to study Christ, and then I'll see the Antichrist. He'll be easily observable. So I need to study Christ. I need to study God the Father. I need to know the Holy Spirit, because what what is the Holy Spirit's purpose? The Holy Spirit equips the, the church for the work of ministry. Without knowing the Holy Spirit, without knowing that the Holy Spirit has given unique gifts, talents, and abilities to each and every one of us, even here in this room, your gifts, talents, and abilities are given to you to benefit the body so the body fit together goes and makes disciples and goes reaches the world perhaps in one generation we can turn the world upside down but the hope is the hope that you have in god and that's what people need to see and that's why you live your life man you had those kids and you see the world the way it is i, I i'm in god's hands and these kids are in god's hands so i'm gonna live my life with the hope in him that's it. I talked to a man just recently in his household. One day, he's 12 years old. His father falls asleep at the wheel, has a terrible accident, and his mother dies in the car accident, the tragedy. His father is never the same, never recovers. He lost his mother and, for all practical purposes, his father the very same day at 12 mm. years old. We're not guaranteed tomorrow regardless, but we take we take the steps of faithful obedience looking forward with great anticipation, knowing that God is, is the God who is strong enough to carry us through those times. If we looked around at the what-ifs, if we looked around, nobody would put their children in a car, car seat or not, mm -hmm. because there's the potential. How many, you know, we just look around and say, what are the issues and what are the potentials? And we try to do the best we can to keep our children as safe as we can and deliver lives to the glory of God the best we can. We just have a few minutes left. I want to tag on this um, eschatology, these end times study. I love these end time studies. They're great. Fine. Go to them and, and enjoy them. Don't make it a steady diet because you don't want to be um, one-sided in this. Don't get overly focused on one area or you're going to wind up, um, the term is in the weeds. You're just going to wind up in the weeds and you're not going to be in the in the fairway where you're moving so if along. You, if you're at a church that really focuses on that, because the pastor believes they should focus on that. That's not a real healthy way to look at things, I would say, right? I want to give the whole counsel of God, and if I, if I just focus on one attribute of God, then I fail to give the, the whole counsel mm -hmm. of God. I want, to I want God's Word reveals God in, in total. I want to reveal God in total. So, uh, and I've, I've seen some harm come from these things. Because as I shared, I was a teenager in the 70s, and the generation before me, 1948, the World War II generation, they saw the nation of Israel come together and become a nation. When they saw Israel come back after having been scattered throughout all of the world since 70 AD, now 1948, mm -hmm. some almost 1900 years later, mm -hmm. they're now gathered in their homeland, and they're a people, and they're a nation for the first time in centuries. That's a big deal. And the church went crazy. The church started to say, whoa, this is exciting, because we know that according to Jesus' words in Matthew, this generation shall not pass away. 
until the Son of Man returns. So Jesus Christ is going to go to the cross. He's going to return for his church. And that generation is not going to pass the generation that sees these things. So he said, we the church said from 1948, we have one generation. So fast forward the clock, 25 years. The Lord Jesus Christ has not returned yet. It's now 1973, 25 years from 1948. And the church goes crazy again because enemies from all sides attack Israel. They want to shut her down, probably because they want to crush prophecy, but they actually fulfill prophecy. And Israel then gains Jerusalem. Oh no, what are we going to do? The whole world then shudders. And we, the church, go crazy. And that was the time where there were untold numbers of movies shown in churches talking about it may as well have been the Left Behind series 1973. And we saw movie after movie after movie. Jesus get ready, or people get ready, Jesus is coming, soon we'll be going home, was the mantra, was a song that went top on the charts. And we loved the song because we knew the Lord was coming back, because one generation is 25 years, therefore God's got a responsibility to bring us home. And when it didn't happen in 25 years, the church went crazy the other way, and said, well, how long is a generation? Maybe a generation can be 40 years. <laughs> so the church says it has to be by 1988, from 48 to 88. Great. 88 so, reasons. So 88 reasons why the rapture will happen in 1988. Most of the people listening to my voice tonight were not even born, <laughs> born right. before 1988. And we, the church, went crazy, and eschatology and end-time studies were everywhere. Let's look at the scenario. Let's see how it wraps up. Let's see who the president is, who's in Syria, who's in Libya, who's in Russia, who's in Turkey, who's in Israel. Who's... <clears throat> we start looking around, and we start moving armies around as if we're playing this great big game of cosmic risk, moving armies around on the different countries, saying, do you think they're going to be able to? And the world looked at us because we stood there and said, you've got to get ready because the Lord's coming back this year. And when he didn't, we wrote books, 89 Reasons Why It's 1989. And then all of a sudden, Y2K comes. And some of you weren't even born when Y2K came. And the church went crazy. Don't you know this is prophesied and we're going to have to and this is all this. Then 9-11 and man, and every time the church goes crazy over world events that seem to fit their, their narrative, we explode with conference after conference to focus on the end times. And the generation that's alive in that time looks and says you guys keep looking to get out of here and i'm just trying to pay my mortgage i'm just trying to have enough money for diapers at the end of the week do you not understand that gas just went up by 30 cents a gallon in the last couple of months and i have to drive 40 miles each way to get to work do you know what that does to my monthly expenses and then we start to say, yeah, but don't you know Syria just amassed their army on the <laughs> Libyan border? And they look at me right in the face <laughs> and say, I'm sure that's important. But right now, that's not on. number one on my importance list. And I can't argue from the scripture, you need to know more about eschatology. I can argue this. You need to have a great confidence in Jesus Christ. 
the God who will carry you through your circumstances in the midst of this. Should this be the end time? Should this be the scenario where the Ezekiel 38 invasion is going to happen? I want you to be prepared because this is an opportunity, God says it some 70 times in Ezekiel alone, so that the world may know that I am the Lord. So the world uses the phrase twice, and Doc just quoted the other one. So the world may know that I am the Lord, and what's the second one? That they may know that I am God. That they may know that I am God. God wants them to know not just that he is the he is God, but that he is Lord. And when the nations of the world see that, we need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within us and not say, see, that's right. I was right. Putin has his tanks right where I told you they so, were going to be. Real quick, just define what you, we have to be prepared to give an answer for the hope in us. Define that. That Jesus Christ said, when you start to see these things, look yeah. up because your hope is sure. Don't be afraid. God says, I'm going to give you these circumstances as opportunities. Yep. When you start to see these things, gas is going crazy. People have a hard time paying their bills. There's a global pandemic. What should we do? Christians should be the last ones standing with their knees knocking, wringing their hands, saying, I don't know what we're supposed to do. We should be able to say, I'm not certain what the medical choices you should make are. I'm not certain how this is going to play out, but I'm certain of this. I know that this didn't take God by surprise, mm. and he tells us even in the midst of these things that we can have hope and share the truth of Jesus Christ with people. And if we, if we don't take this pandemic seriously, because loved ones have been lost, and everybody in this room has lost loved ones to this terrible fatal disease, so we don't schluff it off and we don't poo-poo it, what we do is we recognize that in the midst of it, people are going they're not going, not everyone who gets it is going to survive. And when they face their eternity, where will they go? Right. And I want to have the answer for their hope of eternity, and I need to be more practiced at being able to share the Word of God. I've shared the, the event with you a couple of times, that when I walk through a hospital, I want to pray with someone. As often as not, I get sidetracked. Somebody calls me into the room and said, would you pray with me too? Or I'll pray with a dear one in their bed and in the bed next door, someone I've never met, I don't even know, but they will invite me over to pray with them also. And I will go pray with them. And if they have a question about where they're going to face their eternity, I need to be able to give them the answer from the Word of God that offers them the comfort and hope in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and salvation can be assured for them. So can we send someone, say a place tonight that somebody wants can go to and start really understanding what they should know? Is there one book you can send them to? I mean, a lot of people are looking for a church maybe, but they want to start at home, let's say. Okay, that's a great thing to do. You do not have to be in church to read a Bible. Read your Bible. Go online and get a good copy of the Bible. I am a big fan of the New King James Version of the Bible, the King James Version of the Bible. There are several good versions of the Bible. Read one. The best version of the Bible is the one you read. Mm -hmm. So please read the Bible. As you read it, I would begin in the book of John, because mm -hmm. in the book of John, we see the heart of God, that 
God loved us so much that he, this written word of God, became flesh and dwelt among men. And then John the Baptist became the herald of Jesus Christ. And then immediately you get right into Jesus Christ having conversations with rabbis telling us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to bring us salvation, recognizing we're already condemned and he came to, to free us from the penalty of sin and death. What a great place to start. Yeah. Would you, would you so, recommend... A commentary to go alongside that where they can or a study Bible or a study Bible is a good thing and Zondervan Press has good ones Nelson Press has some good ones um, or this day and age of phone app was there a phone app you would recommend they, they get uh, commentary listen, I can, I'll plug the blue letter Bible that's a phone app and it's free uh, BLB or blue letter Bible that's a that's a free app and it has great uh, study materials on it I highly recommend it now I had a friend of mine just instead of doing that they googled questions okay and when you google questions you, you're not going you should to the hear Bible. some of the answers so that's why you have to have either good study Bible or a good study Bible and a good phone app like the blue letter Bible listen there is that's why when you and again, one of the ten doctrines is the doctrine of the church, why God Himself established the church, mm. and He established the church so that people could have a place where they could go and find the truth of God's word. So find a good Bible teaching, Bible believing church. Ask the questions: Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? inspired by God without error from the very first Genesis chapter 1 to the end of chapter 22 in Revelation. Do you believe it? And if you believe it and you teach it, I want to go there. Go there. And if God has a son named Jesus, that's where you want to be. Amen. Uh, and if they don't believe the Word of God, if they don't teach the Word of God, then... Avoid it. Yeah, avoid it, because you... You're going to get confused. Or why would you want to go somewhere where, I mean, you have questions, you need answers, you need to go to a place where they're going to teach. So mm -hmm. go to the place there where they're going to teach. There was one question that somebody brought up. I thought you might want to answer this. <clears throat> what does it mean when they say the Holy Spirit comes into you and is in you? That's a wonderful question. People, <laughs> get, people get weirded out because they're, they don't understand that. Well, by the way, your spirit, you already have a spirit. Unfortunately, your spirit is dead because in Adam all sinned, and sin brought death to that which is our spirit. We like to think that we're spiritual, but we're not really spiritual. We're emotional. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between our emotions and our spirit. When one accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and Jesus said it to a rabbi, and he said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven because the spirit is dead. But in Christ, your spirit is made alive. Because in the garden, when man sinned, the spirit of Adam died. So God could not connect with Adam at the spirit-to-spirit -spirit level. He could connect with him at the physical level, because they still could have communication with each other. And he could connect at the emotional level. Adam, where were you? How do you feel about that? That is terrible. Look, your heart is broken. Let me cover your sin with this skin, and we can restore fellowship. But... That intimate, deep spirit-to-spirit -spirit relationship, that needs to be restored, can only be restored through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit makes our spirit alive, and then in union, indwells us. What does that mean? To, to become part of our spirit, making us alive in Him. So 
our spirit alive in the spirit of the Holy Spirit, who is God. Does it change us, make us heavier? Are we going to get fat? No. Is is there a separate compartment in our life? No. When we say he comes into our heart, the word heart is a neat, clean, sanitary translation of the word that means bowels, the deepest place in our innermost being. Everybody understands there is a place down deep, and we call it in our heart, that God says that's the place where you know you have a lack. There's an empty feeling in there. Every everybody understands the negative, right? Everybody, you know, like yeah, the omen. Everybody understands that. That's the indwelling of something evil. Every everybody gets that. Every, then it's like, oh, well, what do you mean something good is now in me? It's like that's how spiritually dead we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're so spiritually dead that when some when life says i'm i want to bring life into you and i want to be in you also people can't understand that you know the spirit used to come upon in the old testament the new i i would say contract because when you ask to be Through born Through the blood again, of Jesus Christ. Remember that the atonement in the Old Testament, and we're going to get a little off track, the atonement in the Old Testament was the insufficient. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, well, I won't call it, it was limited in its sufficiency. Uh, to a year. <laughs> to one year. So it atoned for one year, and then at the end of a year, you had to sacrifice another lamb. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin total of the world. So the one who was innocent that was represented in all of those lambs prior is now the Lamb of God. So when he did that, then the Holy Spirit is free to permanently, because sin has been permanently vanquished, death is permanently defeated, the Holy Spirit can permanently indwell the believer. And he does indwell the believer, by the way, permanently. He never leaves us. But that doesn't mean sin is dead. You're not going to sin again. Oh, I wish that were the case. Uh, well, yeah. It's not saying that. But, but yeah. you say, he doesn't. Said, he doesn't get rid of us. Everything that yes, is me. Is, I, but I have now. Yeah, have, that's that's the key. But the Holy Spirit who now indwells me, the Word is convicts me of my sin. Now I recognize there are things in my life that I shouldn't do. Before I had the Holy Spirit in my life, I made decisions based on what was best for me, and I might have been. I might have lined up my character. What might I have thought lined was best up. for me. Right. Well, but my my. And my moral character might have lined up with the principles of God to an extent. I was faithful to my wife. I was, you know, a, a good person. I would raise my children well. But I could not please God because I didn't know him. Whether I went to church or I didn't until I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, wasn't dwelled by the Holy Spirit, all I could do was feel better about myself. Once you get saved and you're born again, the Holy Spirit indwells you, you now have a confident hope that you are saved and sealed, and you don't have to be afraid to face your eternity. Until you're saved and born again, you always seem to have that fear of what will happen when I close my eyes for the last time, and you cross your fingers and you hope, and you say, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to, and I'm going to try. So go ahead. You got another question there, Joe? No. One of our mutual friends just, just sent me a Second Corinthians 3 to 6. Says he has also qualified us to be ministers of a new promise, a spiritual promise, not a written one. Clearly, what was written brings death, but he, but the spirit brings life. And, and, and to okay, be God. to be born again and to be saved is 
to sign a new contract with God because he does not, God does not violate your personhood. He does not for, he does, he does not mandate you have to now not be you. He says, let me do the best for you because I know better than you do. And the way you know, it's just that you know that you know. When you get saved, things change from the inside out. And it happens sometimes different, different pace for different people. But all all of a sudden, like, like Vince said, you know, you look at something differently. You're convicted. Well, I did that before, but I don't want to do that anymore. It just doesn't seem right. There's something different now. And that's what being that, saved is all about. There are things that fall away, and that's good. But there's also the positive things. Things that come. That, right. That we uh, were not part of our life. For instance, if you are truly born again, you're going to desire to know God. A desire to know God is not a natural thing. The world is not out there saying, boy, I wish I knew God better. They're trying to it's say, is the there a God? Yeah, right. I would like to know the truth. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. But they're not out there saying, I really have a pursuit to holiness. But once you're born again, you have a pursuit to holiness because you recognize that in my heart dwells no good thing. I need God to change my heart. I want to be better. And by better, he says, I want to conform you into the image of my son. So we have a standard. And the standard is best. He is best. So why would he want us to settle for second best? He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to mold you into the image of my son, Jesus. I want to make you more like him. Not he doesn't want to make me more like you or you more like Doc or us more like, you know, Rick. He wants us to all be conformed to the perfect image. So the signs are not that you're making a lot of money now. The signs isn't that you got all of a sudden you spoke into existence anything. The signs right. is not, are not there. But a lot of people that would say... You know, speaking into existence is a sign. Yeah, that, let's not head down that. that yeah, the right. signs signs are this, a passion for the Word, a passion for fellowship, a passion for prayer. To be a convicted passion. of your old self to right. find better ways to live. Yes, and as you, if you have a passion for the Word, that's an indicator that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit indwells you. If you have a passion to be in fellowship with other believers, right. more than just regular attending church, to be in, in fellowship, to be a disciple, to want to learn what the Word of God has to say, because you have a passion for the lost. You now have a different heart that says, I want you to know what I have found. That's a big deal. If you have that passion, that's a clear indicator. I think we all know people in the past, or maybe right now, that are legitimately saved. It's a lot of times they have problems open up the Word. It doesn't come clear to them, or they need more than that. That's the fellowship. Right, the word of God, exactly. The Word of God almost never at first blush mm-hmm. is completely comprehensible if you turn if you open the bible and turn to ezekiel chapter 8 and you open that up and you read Ezekiel was caught up in a vision, and he was told by God to dig into a wall. I'm going to take you to the tabernacle to look at the priests. Dig into the wall, and what will you see? And even the priests are there worshiping other idols. So God gave me this vision. Then, in order to help me understand this, he shows me the vision of a wheel within a wheel. And If you were to turn to Ezekiel chapter 8 and say, Lord, I do not understand this, you would be in really good company. (laughs) 
But if you were to take John 3.16 and turn there and read, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, you would be able to understand that. If you were to read Romans, that's why Romans is a great place to go, you would read mm -hmm. the argument for your for yourself, uh, justification before God, falls. I'm a good man, I'm a moral person, I'll be okay, that falls. The argument that I'm a rational, reasonable, religious person, that falls. The argument that my birthright gives me one because my parents were good people or I was born through the lineage and I'm a Jew by birth, that falls. So what does it leave us? It leaves us with God gave us the law. Why would God give us the law? To point out to us that we cannot meet the standard of perf perfection and righteousness. So he provided for us the means because we need to know that. Adam knew right away. I no longer meet the standard for righteousness. Mm -hmm. So he is in hiding. God calls to him out of hiding and says, Adam, where are you? Adam says, I'm over here hiding. God says, why are you hiding? Because I knew that I was naked. I was uncovered, and I can't stand before you. God then said, who told you that? Hmm. Well, nobody told him that. He now is self-aware. So we need to recognize that we need a Savior. Adam knew because his circumstances changed. We're born in these circumstances. Our circumstances don't change until we get saved. Then we see that our circumstances change. So God gave us the law so that we can see our life in these circumstances doesn't measure up. That no matter how good Doc is outside of Jesus Christ, he is not perfect. Mm -hmm. And outside of perfect, you cannot see the kingdom of so, heaven. So you so God sent his son the, the to cover him. The standard so is perfection. So you're trying to say, we can say that you're going to spend, as a new Christian, you're going to spend a lot of time in John or in the New Testament, and that's okay because you'll now you're a baby and you're going to grow. Sure, that's knowledge. where I would go. I would and go right and, and, and if, if you're a new Christian and you go to a Bible-believing, a Bible-teaching right. church, mm -hmm. you're going to get... Uh, information and guidance from the leadership of that church in your Christian growth. And don't feel bad when you can't understand Ezekiel 8 and the uh, different prophecies. Well, there's more to that. It, right. If, uh, when you turn to the Word of God, it, if, you, if you read the Word of God in its entirety, you won't have a problem. But if you start in areas that are more difficult to understand and recognize that God is speaking through a prophet Ezekiel to a rebellious Jewish nation that's about to go into captivity. They're about to be invaded by a foreign government, and they're going to lose their lives. How do you then live your life? God wants them to know the, the truth and the reality of his love for them. But we're not in those circumstances. Right. So what circumstances apply to us? Well, I would argue that our circumstances probably are found closer in Matthew 24. Our circumstances are found closer in, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4. So Paul's letters are the letters to the church. So we've got to get to the letters to the church because we're the church. What's our purpose? What's our mission? What's our privilege? What has God called us to? So we need to be in the letters of Paul, which are you know, much of the New Testament. Uh, so I would encourage you to get in a good—that's why he says, go and make disciples, not just go and, and make, make converts. converts. Right. If people get saved and you hand them a Bible, they're going to say, that's really great, but I can't make heads nor tails of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand, but I can teach you. Isaiah 
records, excuse me, <clears throat> we have recorded for us an event in the book of Acts when Philip is called to go and run up alongside an Ethiopian in a chariot. And the Ethiopian is open the scrolls and he's reading Isaiah 53 and he can't understand it. He could say, I don't understand this and I can't understand it unless someone instructs me. And that's why God brought Philip there to instruct the man who was searching. And then Philip was able to share with him. Isaiah 53 records the suffering and the death at the cross of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, for salvation. Oh, thank you for sharing that with me. But unless you know, unless you have read more, and Philip clearly had read more, sometimes the pieces look like they don't fit together. I assure you they all fit together. So when you're, as Joe asked, when you're young in the Lord, you have to go to the places that are clear, revealing Jesus Christ. Go to John chapter 3. Go to 1 John chapter 1 to 4. Read them, and you'll see that God gave us this. I write this that you may know that you can have freedom from sin. I write this that you may know that you can have assurance of salvation, because people need to know those things, especially when you're a new believer. Then take them to Romans and say, what does Romans say? Romans says, I'm a new creation in Christ, and he's working all things out for my good and for his glory. And by the way, this is what I do about that. I present myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, my reasonable service. Romans is a great place to go. It hit home with me because I'm Italian. He's writing to Italians. I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't get better than this. He's writing right to, to people that I can understand. So, yes, excellent questions. So you have a theme for the next few weeks, Thanksgiving theme? Is that what we're talking about? We're going to start headed toward the fall. You know, the fall is a time where leaves change, and as the leaves change, our focus changes from summertime, which I don't want to say typically is selfish. We got out of school, so now we kind of go to the beach and we hang out and we it's enjoy It's all about the, me and how good I feel. Yeah, we enjoy the <laughs> summer. To now we go into the fall and it's like, oh, back to the grind, back to school, back to work, back to, back to, back to. But in the middle of the back to, we also get this great opportunity to celebrate. October is full of holidays. November's full of holidays and then you have december which is amazing and then new year's so this is all a time of new beginnings and hope so was there a, a part of scripture you would want someone to read to lead into that ah, how about psalm 100 psalm 100 i will enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise oh, yeah. that's great mm -hmm. so remember God is that good. for next time read we're going to talk about time. next time Good. Yeah, we went a little long, but uh, thank you yeah. very much for hanging in there with us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Hold on before you do that. Oh, we got Pastor. one more thing. No, we got one. You've been talking about a great Bible teaching church, and I think it's only fair if you mention the church that you represent. I pastor a church in Hamilton. It's called Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. We make no apology for teaching through the Bible verse by verse. We want to teach the Word of God. So. We not only teach the Bible verse by verse, but we also have deeper training. On Monday nights, we're going through the book of Daniel to learn how we apply the Word of God and the Holy Spirit equipping us to be able to live in a world that is turning away from God, how we should stand up. And then on Wednesday night, I'm teaching one of those ten doctrines, and this is the great I Am. 
It is God revealing himself to his people. God's not angry with us. God's not, he's not mean. He's not waiting on the side of a mountain for us to color outside of the line so he can come down with a big hammer. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of indwelling and dwelling with his people. He loves fellowship. So get to know God. So as we look to God's word, we look to God's word on Sunday morning. We look to God's word on Monday night. There's women's studies on Tuesday morning and Tuesday night. This morning women's study was excellent on uh, people that are fringe Faces in the crowd to those who take steps of faithful obedience like Peter. It was a, an excellent Bible study. So whenever you come, the Bible is the focus. So I encourage you. If you live anywhere near here, come and join us. They can, get to, they can go to, the, to download our, our phone app, which is like the, any phone, uh, wherever you get your phone apps. Calvary Chapel, Hamilton, it'll have uh, the archives, our studies, and it, it'll uh, have schedules schedule of and the calendar of what's going on but and if you, you don't live it. around here and we live stream our services for those who are, want to um, view them later they're live stream but they're also archived so you can look at them right. and you can go to the website and find out where you can you can get them on the phone it. app the website or you go to youtube and look up our youtube channel calvary chapel and we have sister calvary chapel we got many yes, because yes. that yes. is no viewing online is no substitute for face-to-face fellowship. So find a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. I can tell you that Calvary chapels are consistent in Bible teaching and certainly in Bible-believing. It's one of the distinctives of Calvary chapel. So I I pastor a Calvary chapel for that reason. Are they the end-all? No, no, they're not. There are good Bible-teaching, Bible-believing churches other than Calvary chapel. Find a good Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church, regardless of the name that's on the outside of the building. It's not about the name. It's Well, it's about the name, not the name of the church building. Yeah, right. So if it you is. want to know what I'm talking about, come Wednesday night, and we'll explain it, it to you. Is. God bless you guys. Let's pray. You are an awesome God. Thank you for an opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ. Lord, if we said anything that was inappropriate, then uh, keep people from being able to hear it. And yeah, if there's anything right. that you want people to take home, then, uh, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, already be planting those seeds in their heart and draw them deep in their relationship with you. We give you all the praise for you alone deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Good night. Thank, good night. Good night. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo of Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. Join us next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for The Carpenter's Son on WNJHradio.com.